time for Cigar Talk, the fastest growing cigar show in the nation. Whether you're a new cigar enthusiast or a cigar aficionado, we have something for everyone. Bringing you the best interviews, cigar reviews. So grab yourself a cigar. It's time to light them up. Welcome back to Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones, and we got a special edition today. We have the one and only David Groot in the studio. How you doing, brother? Doing good, brother. How are you doing? Doing good, man. It's so awesome to be able to hang out with you in person and smoke together. I bet we've smoked 50 cigars together online, but you're here. Yes, I am. Tell everybody why you're in Texas this weekend. Uh, Saturday is the McAuliffe Ambassadors Open House. So I came down early so we could spend some time together, and uh, tonight we'll be uh, everybody will be getting together at Riata nice. for dinner. Um, and now then, I've been there, and let me tell you what, you're not going to be disappointed. Oh, I have no doubt. I don't. Al doesn't do anything half. No, no. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a great meal, and uh, tomorrow then we'll be hanging out at AME for a while for the pre. And then we'll head over to headquarters for the main event. So nice. it'll be a good filled weekend. So I'm enjoying it. I'm excited. I didn't get to go last year and I'm going this year. So I won't be able to go down tonight because I'm working, but I'll be there tomorrow and hang out, meet everybody. And we were talking about it last night. What a special community is in the cigar realm with McAuliffe cigars the ambassador community way different than most it is um i'm a member of quite a few and they've got great guys in them i'm, I'm not knocking any other group sure the the cigar community as a whole is just a great community but McAuliffe is struck on something just really unique like that group is like family you know, everybody knows everybody, and for the most part, newcomers just get flooded with love from that group. You know, nobody yeah. nobody walks in There's feeling no like judgment. No, nobody walks in feeling like they're the outsider. I mean, you you come in and right away you're made to feel welcome. Um, you get to have fun. You get to have you know. We talked last night about there there being a, a measured amount of drama and some you know stuff like that but it's it's to make it's things enjoyable it's, it's, to, it's in a fun way yeah it's to get everybody involved and just have a good time laugh and you know it's fantastic and dan thompson i'll tell you what i i will shout out to him this is not a suck up but for being the president and running what three companies for al yes. including McAuliffe, that dude is on everything oh I mean, yeah every post he's answering people um, a few months ago, my dog passed away and I posted on my timeline, you know, Hey, lost my dog today. You know, it's really hard or whatever. Dan responded to that and said, you know, sorry that that happened praying for you about it. And I'm like, he's answering my personal post. I mean, this right. isn't in the ambassador group. I mean, he's just a fantastic guy. Everybody there is fantastic. So it's a good, yeah, it starts I, out with the staff. Well, and well, I say it starts out with. Al McAuliffe. It does. From top to bottom. And they would never even say that because they don't think there is a bottom. They think that they're all on the team. There's no top and there's no bottom. But, yeah, I mean, the way they are involved with their community, their consumers, and their brick and mortars is beyond any other company that I know of. Al showed up at our shop 
kind of last minute, couple well, right before the trade show, so late June, early July. Um, and you're in Pennsylvania, just so everybody yeah. knows. So I mean, it wasn't like Al was in the neighborhood. Well, he he was in. Uh, he and Andy were up in Buffalo. Right. They were going to do an event that night, and Andy contacts me Friday night and says, "Hey, are you going to be working tomorrow?" I said, "Yeah, why?" And he goes, "Al and I want to come down to visit." And I'm like, sure, I'll be there all day. They came down. They spent like four hours. And that man is just the most down-to-earth. By far the most down-to-earth owner of a cigar company I've met. Yeah. He is, you know, and there's there's some great ones out there, but he is just your average in the lounge. He's just your average guy. And he sits there and just interacts like he's just one of the one of the guys. And, and you know what's funny? And I don't know if I've ever even told this story on the show before. But when I found McAuliffe Cigars, like I fell in love with them. Because you know my criteria starts with construction. And I mean, in all the years I've been smoking McAuliffe Cigars, construction is not one of their problems. No. And anyway, I would go around to different shops doing interviews at shops. And there were a few shops that were like, yeah, I, I don't carry McAuliffe. And I'm like, why? They're great cigars, great price points. And they were like, Al's not a cigar manufacturer. This is just a hobby for him. He's this rich guy that just wanted to have a cigar company, but he's not a cigar manufacturer. So that was the mentality of guys that don't know Al. You know what I mean? Yeah. Al doesn't do anything half-assed, like you said. Right. So when he decides he wants to do a cigar company, he's not doing it as a hobby. Look at the team that he has put together for his company. If he was just wanting a hobby, he would just be getting shipments of cigars to his house. Without naming names, there are cigar manufacturers out there that run them like it's a hobby. Right. And you can tell. The quality of the cigars, the QC, the, you know, the way they handle things, you can tell they're just in it because it's something fun. They they smoke cigars and they wanted to start a cigar company. You Al, can't give us one name. Come on, Dave. Give me one name. No. <laughs> no. One thing I've learned is the cigar community as a whole, is very, very small. So I try not to, you know, you diss wanna, on anybody. I mean, because everybody has favorites. Yeah. And you don't want to be an asshole. Right. Like me. So. <laughs> but, um, you know, no. Al started McAuliffe Cigars because he found a factory and a group of blenders. It was a magic moment. That he could stand behind and he was like, I can put my name on that and be proud of the product that's going to come out of it. And, and, you know, that's the difference also is most guys that jump into the cigar manufacturing, first of all, they don't have a factory. Second of all, they go down, they find a blender, and that person blends them some cigars, and they smoke a ton of them, and they figure out what they think they like, and then that's how they do it. Al partnered with two dudes who's been in the business for decades. And so, I mean... That's not the way a lot of guys approach it. He jumped in like, I found these guys making cigars. He smoked them before he ever decided he wanted to. And, I mean, he smoked a lot of them for a long time. And whenever he would pass them out to other people, they were like, whoa, what's that? And he was like, you know what? Let's do this. 
And you said the key word there. He partnered with them. Right. He didn't acquire them. He didn't I'm buy gonna, them. I'm going to buy you and I'm going to make this McAuliffe cigars. He honors the heritage and the legacy of that family in all of the legacy line cigars that he does. You know, the Gomez Sanchez family is prominent in the boxes, in their names being on the bands, everything he gives back to that legacy oh. because there would be no McAuliffe cigars right. without the Gomez Sanchez family. So, yeah, that's the key phrase is he partnered with them. Oh, and absolutely. Said, I want to help make you successful, you know, and it's not all about me. Right. He's never been that way. Right. I mean, it is McAuliffe cigars. He, he named it after himself, but they are the co- and if you think about it, though, like he elevated them to the upper level. You know what I mean? Because they didn't have the resources. He supplied the resources. They supplied the experience and the know-how. Exactly. And so, I mean, what a perfect match. Yep. So anyway, guys, uh, let's talk about what we're smoking. I'll let you go first, Dave. Uh, I am smoking a Mildeus from Crown Heads. Um, I think these are a fantastic cigar. These are definitely in my regular rotation. Yeah, that's one of my go-tos regularly. Yep. That's and, absolutely. And I love that size, the 6x46. You know, I'm a fan. Mm -hmm. And then I'm smoking a gift from Z-Man himself. He left me a CQ2 from Tatawahe. And so far, man, it's burning like a champ. Very nice draw. The flavor profile is somewhere like a, so far, a, a medium with a little bit of spice creeping in. And then your core earthy leather profile that I dig. Right. But not too heavy. And so thank you, Z-Man. Very good cigar so far. And so anyway, uh, you went down to the Leaf last night. What was your first take for your experience at the Leaf? What was your general vibe? What, how did it feel to you? I love the feel of that lounge. I love the way they have it uh, decorated. I love the theme they went with. Um, it just makes you feel comfortable when you walk in the door. You're not feeling like, you know, wow, this place is... Because you got some cigar lounges that are just, you know, kind of run down. They're kind of, you know, you can tell they've been there a while and whatnot. And then you've got the lounges that are so nice that you're like, I don't know that I belong here. I mean, right. And they went right in the middle. You know what I mean? Right in the it's middle. It's not a wreck and it's not uppity. Right. Like, I don't like going to either one of those kind of lounges. You walk in there and you feel comfortable. Right. And that's what I did. I walked in and I felt comfortable right off the bat. Um, and the humidor, dear God, the humidor is fantastic. That's the crown jewel. Mm -hmm. And then also, I mean, you got to hang out in the back and everybody there is just super friendly. I mean, they strike up a conversation with anyone. Oh yeah. Uh, who was it? Ed? Ed. Ed comes over to me, met him. 30 seconds before, and he's like, want something to drink? Yeah, sure. And he brings me over this really nice scotch. Yeah. I mean, that was fantastic. And just, yeah, real welcoming. And and the thing about it is, everybody that comes back there, I mean, if you bring a bottle and you set it on the table, you don't have to ask. You just go, I mean, I always do just to be polite. But, I mean, when people ask me, I am tell them, dude, when I put my ball on the table, Grab a glass because that's what we're here for. Right. 
you know, back in May, I got so lucky and picked up a bottle of Heaven's Door Red Breast, the Master Distiller Edition. I paid a hundred bucks for it. Never had it before. Actually, never heard of it before. But I was a fan of Heaven's Door already. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so whenever I saw the ten-year-old Master Diller, Distiller version, I was like, "Oh, I bet that's good." So I bought it. I got home. I Googled it, and you can't find it for less than three to five hundred dollars. I took it to the Leaf, set it on the table, and we all enjoyed it. There you go. Because that's what it's for. That's that's the that's the community you want to share, unless you're Scott Fritz, and then you <laughs> lock it in your locker and you don't let anybody have any. Well, I, I I will say there's stuff that I at our shop I put underneath and I don't want anybody sharing because I don't know when the next time is I'm going to get it. I will share it. I will share it sparingly with people that I know are going to appreciate the poor. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's not just out there for anybody to be like, oh, what's oh, this? Let me tell you something, man. We had, uh, you know, Sean O'Connor. Mm-hmm. He was at the Leaf, and he brought down some, like, really nice bourbons that it's very difficult to find. And there was one bottle that I want to say it was like $180 a bottle. And there's a guy that at the Leaf, his name's Alan, and he doesn't really drink nice bourbons. Anyway, I was like, hey, man, that's real special. So, you know, that's all I said. Mm -hmm. And he pours himself like a three and a half finger drink. I'm like, dude, I mean, and that's not because he's being an asshole. It's just because he doesn't know. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, dude. You, when someone offers you a drink of something that you, like, want to get a taste. Right. I mean, I usually pour one finger of one of those. Exactly. So, but anyway, yeah, the, the community in the Leaf is really strong and just really friendly. I mean, that's where I like to go hang out because the people there. That is, that is one of those templates for what a cigar shop should be. There's no clicks. There's no... You know, anything like that. I mean, they have the private lounge. Those guys don't think they're better than the people that aren't in the private lounge. No, the people back in the back, we're in the back, so we're not disturbing other people up front. Right. uh, People up front, a lot of times they're reading books or they're on their laptop doing work. In the back, we're just having a good time, and you don't want to, you know, bother people that are there for their quiet time. Right. Exactly. There was a, a group of people sitting at the one table out in the front. I don't know if they were having some kind of meeting or what, but it was oh, like... those guys are big D&D guys. Oh, okay. And so they come down, and one of them smokes a pipe, the other one smokes cigars, and they've got notes and all that nerdy geek stuff. Hey, watch where you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> My son is a hardcore D&D guy, and he knows he's a geek. So, And I'm a cigar geek, so yeah, it's fair. So, But yeah, that... You guys are back there. You're watching the football game and whatever, and that leaves the front available so they can do their stuff and not, like you said, they're not having to fight over conversations that are going on and whatnot. That's the way it should be, and there's there's too many lounges out there, I feel, that when you get that back room or even the lounge is all public, but you've got a group over here and a group over here right? that... It's way too easy to start developing clicks. 
Oh and, yeah. And these guys over here, like, no, this is our area. You know, if you go over there as a newbie and when try you to sit, sit down, over there, you're sitting in my spot. Right. You know, I did. I got no vibe of that whatsoever from the leaf. Everything is. Well, you 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 basically came in and sat down in the best chair in the house. You know what I mean? That's the that's the chair everybody wants to sit in, and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hope your lounge is like that. Yes. I hope your lounge that you go to is comfortable and sociable, and it's just a place you find refuge away from the madness of work and all that other shit that goes on in our lives. And the thing is, it's the guys that go to the lounge that make the lounge. So if your lounge isn't like that, make it like that. Oh, absolutely. When you're sitting in there and somebody comes in, welcome them. You know, it's not always the shop owner that's got to make somebody feel welcome, especially if you want them to enjoy the lounge. It's the people sitting in the lounge oh. that make somebody feel like they want to sit down. If they come in and you're, everybody's like, hey, how's it going? Like, cheers. That's how the belief feels. It should be like cheers. Every When somebody comes in, they're like family, and they're just family you haven't met yet. Well, you know, the funny thing is, like, when I'm up at the front, and I see somebody I don't know, and they're buying cigars, and they pay, and they're getting ready to leave, I'm like, you ever hang out here and smoke? I, I haven't seen you here, but, you know, we hang out here and smoke, too. And then you start a conversation, and they're like, you know, I really never even thought about it. And I'm like, dude, this is a great place to hang out and smoke. And just the other day, I was in the humidor, and a guy was in there looking for something. I don't remember what he was looking for, but it was on back order. So I turned him on to a couple of other good sticks, and I was like, I'm Rob Jones, by the way. I haven't met you. And he introduced himself back. And I was like, dude, you should come out and hang out with us. You know, I'm just like, the more the merrier. And when I see new people, I'm like, come have a seat. Sit down. Let's. I like to get to know people. I like to know what's going on in people's lives. I don't know because I just find it very interesting. Yeah. You know, I promote our shop that way where uh, if it's somebody new or somebody I know hasn't been in, hasn't stayed in the lounge i'll be like you know our humidor is great and i love that you come in here and buy your cigars i love your customer come down sometime when you got time and sit down i'm like the heart of this place is the lounge bring whatever you want to drink i've got glasses for just about anything you want come sit down this is this is where the magic happens in this place and this is what makes it different from a lot of other now just cigar shops I know you've told me before, but I don't remember. How long ago did you start smoking cigars? I started smoking cigars 25 plus years ago. Wow. Give or take. Um, my so you started when you were probably, what, about 60? <laughs> nice one. Um, but when I started out, no, I was, I was in my 20s. Thank you very much. Oh, I appreciate that. You're welcome. But... Um, you know, I started out with, at the time, was your typical, I started out with the Macanudos. I stayed on the really light stuff for years and just, I found, I did what a lot of people do. I found what I liked and that's what I smoked. Yeah, we, I think guys that smoke cigars for a really long time, they all went through that stage, or at least a lot of them. Right. And the longer you stay in that cycle the longer it takes you to figure out what you're missing. Mm -hmm. 
And once you figure out that, wow, there is a whole world of cigars out there, that's when it really gets fun. Yes. For me, anyway. Yep. And that really only happened to me less than 10 years ago was when I finally that light switch went on in my head and I realized, you know, this isn't just a hobby. This is a journey. Yes. And I'm missing it because I'm sitting at the starting point. And you never. And I'm not really. They they keep waving the flag to go and you're just sitting there. Yeah. You know, and that when I started branching out and started exploring different strengths, different leaves, different, you know, was when it really opened up and you realize that there's just so much stuff out there. And your next favorite may be just around the corner and you're missing it because, no, I smoke this. And there may be something sitting out there that's going to make this look like nothing. Yeah, and let me tell you something, man. When you go into a shop and you have, like, your go-to cigar. Like, I don't smoke the same cigar all the time, but I definitely have my go-tos. But if you're, like, so bound up in the cigar that you smoke that that's the only cigar you're going to smoke, you are missing opportunities when you go to a shop that has cigars that you've never had. And I promise you, when you go to cigar shops, they have cigars you've never smoked. Exactly. It's like food. You know, everybody's got their comfort foods, their go-tos. You know, if I want to feel good or I want to, you know, just feel comfortable, I have this. Mexican. But there's so much more out there. And if you just eat this. Right. I can't eat, like I said yesterday, I can't eat burritos or enchiladas every day right so it's the same thing with cigars there's there's this whole menu out there you know we were talking last night if if there was if if there were if the cigars were just like you know there's one type of cigar i'd have 20 facings in my humidor that everybody just smoked but it's not it's like food it's like anything like that it's a buffet and you pick what you want to eat and there's so much stuff out there there's exotic things there's more standard things you know it it runs the full spectrum and they're just dying to be explored you just got to get yourself out of your comfort zone and branch out a little bit and start trying some other stuff some stuff you're gonna love some some stuff stuff you're you're not gonna like and what i loved about smoking the cigars that i didn't like was I learned what I don't like. You know what I mean? Steer clear of that. Exactly. So then when you're looking for something down the road and you find out it has this wrapper on it or it has this quality to it, yeah, I'm going to steer clear of that because I've tried something similar before and it didn't like it. So it it, it helps you narrow down that, that sweet spot for you of the things that you enjoy and you can go find more things like that. Now, can you imagine 25 years ago when you started smoking cigars, if someone would have told you at that moment, you're going to be the manager of a cigar shop? I would have told them they were crazy. (laughs) Right? I would have told them they were absolutely insane. So we talked to you before, and you were working at the shop, but now you're the manager of the shop. How's the transition been? I mean, how much work do you actually do, or do you just sit around and smoke cigars like your son thinks? It depends on the day. It really does. There are days when it's, you know, yeah, I sit around and smoke cigars. There's really not that much stuff going on. But there's other days where I've got orders to put in. I've got to go through the humidor and make sure everything's stocked. You know, i got to check on back orders. I've got to deal with stuff around the shop. You know, there's always stuff to do. Um, 
I sit there. There's a lot of times when it's dead, I'll sit and clean ashtrays. Because to me, that's a something when somebody is coming in, if they see an ashtray that's just caked with. Oh, it's dirty. It's yeah. smelly. It's, you know, nobody you know, wants that. Nobody wants that. If But a clean one, they're like, this place really cares about their appearance. They care about how they look to people and, and how they come off. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that that's just mundane crap, but it needs to be done. Right. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't suck. You know, it's it's a great job to have if you are passionate about cigars. And, yeah, I smoke a crap ton of cigars. I mean, that's that's the bonus. That's the that's the big bonus. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. So tell everybody where you're from. And the name of the shop? Uh, we're in Northeast Pennsylvania. And when I say Northeast Pennsylvania, that that's not the That is the dumbest zone. name of a town I have ever heard. I'm in Northeast Pennsylvania. Oh, so that's what's, what's that? Where's, what, that's up what by town the po- are you in? That's up by the Poconos, right? No, no. We're not in Northeast Pennsylvania. We're actually in Erie County. We're right up by the lake. Oh. Um, the reason it's called Northeast is because it is the northeasternmost town in Erie County. We're like two or three miles from the New York border. Now, what's the county seat? Erie. Okay. Yeah. So, I didn't realize you were that close to Lake Erie. Oh, dude, yeah. From from the shop, it's a five-minute drive to the lake. From my house, it's 30 seconds. Do people ice fish out there? Are you north north enough? I... I would imagine they do. I'm not, I haven't been up there long enough, lived up there long enough to know the, the, that kind of stuff. Um, I would imagine though, if, if once the lake gets cold enough, we probably have our share because people up there are just nuts. So it, it, the mentality is there that, yeah, they probably do ice fish. I mean, to me, if there's ice over the lake, that's probably a pretty good sign. You should wait until there's liquid water before you fish. Yeah, I've never thought to myself that I would like to try that. No. I mean, you drill a hole in the ice, you drop whatever, bait, lure, I don't even know, and then you just sit and wait. Yeah. I've never got the, and and we've got some guys in our group that that do that. Great. I I have no, you know, good for you. I'm not going to diss on you. I can't, I don't understand the mentality. But, and I mean, there's guys that do that by themselves. Yeah. So you just go sit in a box all day. Yeah. And maybe catch a fish, maybe not. Exactly. Yeah. And, no. and that's not my mentality, period. I mean, I am ADHD enough to the point that I don't want to do an activity that at the end of the day isn't going to, may not garner me anything in return. Right. You know? And so, and for me, I mean, like I could do it. If there's like three or four of us in this little building fishing and we're all smoking cigars and drinking and having a good time, because it's not about the fishing. But if you're there just fishing by yourself, more power to you. You got more patience than me. Absolutely. So now, are, where are you originally from? Um, I'm originally from Oil City, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour and 15 minutes south of, of Northeast. Um, that whole area is where the oil industry actually came about oh really yeah uh just north of us is a city called titusville that was where the first successful oil well was drilled wow and actually oil city back around the turn of the 
19th, 20th century through that area, um, Oil City actually had the second largest financial district in the world next to uh, New York because that's where all the oil trading was done. So, so that was, uh, well, I mean, I, I assume that's had something to do with Rockefeller. Yes. Because that's he was the one that started all that. Yeah, Rockefeller definitely had a very big uh, presence up in the area. So, but uh, did you know before oil, Rockefeller was doing uh, kerosene? Yes. So, yeah. a little history there. Now, I got another trivia there for you. Did you know in the early or late 1800s, early 1900s, you would go to like your state fair, which is not like what we know today as a state fair mainly it was like a freak show mm -hmm. and one of the freak show corridors at the state fairs was a building where they had incubators with all these babies did you know that i've heard something about it but i yeah i'm not super familiar with it but so that sounds about right <laughs> back in that time one out of every four babies died mm -hmm. because, first of all, they were having babies at home. You didn't go to the hospital to have a baby. You just had the baby at home, and one out of four died, and the medical institution was like, yeah, that's how we just weed out the weak. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then this crazy doctor came over from, like, France and had these incubators, and he set them up at the state fairs and he ended up uh having seven thousand babies go through his program wow and the thing about it is all these people who had like really way too early births they were taking in babies that were like two and three pounds that was their only hope mm-hmm and so even though he was making money at the fair as a freak show type thing he was actually saving their lives. Right. And the medical community did not adopt his technology until like 1918 to 1920. Until then, if you had a baby, you were just on your own. Right. So did you ever see a show called uh, The Nick? No. Great show. It's like a medical show. And, you know, like Grey's Anatomy or something like that. But it was set in like 1915 so this doctor is doing experimental surgeries which today they're not experimental but like lots and lots of people died from these experiments but it was the only hope they had so in order to come up with ideas that worked they had to let a lot of people die right so great show if you haven't seen it i'll have to check it out yeah so anyway uh Let's jump back over to tonight. No, yeah, tonight you're going to the Riata. Yep. Having dinner with Al McAuliffe and his team and a lot of the ambassadors. Yep. And then tomorrow uh, you're going to hang out at AME, mm -hmm. Smoke Cigars, which is a great shop in Weatherford, Texas. And then the open house starts at 6 p.m. and mm -hmm. lasts till 10. You didn't go last year, right? I did not go last year. So do you have any idea what to expect? I do not. Other than knowing that we're going to get a tour of the place, we're going to get to see the warehouses and the humidors and all that stuff, I have no idea what the, what they got going on. I can tell you this. I've, I didn't get to go last year, but I've been in the humidors at 
the uh, McAuliffe headquarters, I'm pretty sure when the door opens, you can hear the angels sing. <laughs> I mean, more cigars than you've ever seen in your life. It is, I was just like, dude, I could set a cot up in here and just let me smoke. Yep. I mean, as far as you can see, aisles and aisles of, and you know, they age their tobacco, they age their cigars. They don't just send them up here and ship them out. They let them rest. Right. So usually when you get a box of McAuliffe, you already know they're ready to smoke. Yes. So anyway, uh, let's jump over to one of our sponsors. We have Case Elegance. And if you have the need for a humidor, I'm telling you, like, they make quality humidors. And, you know, a few weeks back or actually about three months ago, I took another humidor that was ordered on Amazon, which was basically pretty close to the same design. And then I took the same of the case elegance and I took my skill saw and I cut them in half. Dude, did you see the pictures of the one that had no cedar? Yes. I mean, none, none. I was blown away. Like I didn't, I thought it would be like not as much. And I was right because it had none. Mm -hmm. And it's so ridiculous because when you open this humidor before I cut it in half, you would have thought that it was made out of cedar because they have this paper glued to MFD board and it looks like cedar. It feels like cedar. But then when you cut it in half, that paper is ultra thin mm -hmm. and it's just glued to the MFD board. And it made me realize, like I spent way, way back when, $165 on a humidor and I thought that it was me I thought man I don't know how to do this what I didn't realize is it just didn't hold any humidity so it was a constant battle and so I mean I literally was jacking with it three or four days a week mm -hmm. and with case elegance you don't have to do that I mean I talked to guys that they season their cigar I mean their cigar humidor and it's supposed to take they recommend 20 or 48 hours. Dude, when I seasoned mine, it literally took me maybe 15, 20 minutes. And I was going to wait 24 hours instead of the 48. And I ended up waiting about two hours. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just putting them in there. They're good. And the humidity dropped a little bit when I first put all the cigars in it. But then it eventually came back up because it was acclimating the cigars. Right. And I've never had the jack with it unless it's time to redo it like three, four months later. Right. And depending on where you live, it might be sooner or later. If you live in Florida, you might not never have to season it again. Exactly. But in West Texas, it's pretty dry here. Is it dry where you are or is it humid? Um, we get both ends of that. So it's, you know, we have our days in the summer when we've got 80% humidity. We've also got oh. our days where it's 20% humidity. So, yeah, up in the Northeast, it, it kind of fluctuates around. We really don't have a standard in terms of... Now, have you ever been to Chicago? No. Okay. Well, that's how it sounds there. Like, when I went to Chicago, I had no idea it was humid. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away. And what really blew me away was most people up there don't have air conditioners. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, if you're in Texas, that's... Mm -mm. We don't do that. Oh, you, no. You got AC? I do have AC. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, for me, 
I'm fat. I need AC. Yeah, this fat boy doesn't take heat very well. <laughs> right. So, in fact, I questioned my sanity for living in Texas because of the heat. <laughs> we had over seventy days this last summer, over a hundred. It was brutal. It was brutal. You can't smoke outside when it's that hot, or right. at least I can't. Now in Vegas, when I was there for the trade show back in July, it was over a hundred every day, and. There is a certain degree of truth to when they say, but it's a dry heat. Because when you walked out of the air-conditioned hotel outside, it was so dry, you didn't hit that wall of just humidity where all of a sudden you feel like you just walked out of the shower. No, but you feel like you just stepped into an oven. You do, but it's tolerable for maybe 15, 20 minutes. I found I could, I could live with it to walk around for maybe 15, 20 minutes. And after that, yeah, I start feeling like I'm in somebody's oven baking and I should probably get out before I'm done. Yeah, so. I was out in Phoenix back in probably 1990. It was 121 degrees. And when I got back, that's what people said. Oh, but it's a dry heat. And I'm like, it was fucking hot. It was just hot. Yeah. And I could not live out there. Like no. in the desert of Arizona, no, thank you. Yep, no, I don't I'm know. With I, don't, you there. I don't know how you would even want to live out there. I couldn't live anywhere where you don't have grass. Because right? Arizona and New Mexico, a lot of uh, places, you'll go through entire neighborhoods and nobody has grass. They have gravel. Right. And you know, it's it's usually colored gravel. It's usually green, or you know, somebody wants to get creative, but it's gravel. They don't have grass because it just don't grow. Well, and the thing about it is they don't have the water to right. spare to water. Well, and I mean, I live in Texas. I don't water my grass. Whatever the rain does, that's what I get. Exactly. And my mother-in-law is the exact opposite. She waters at least four days a week. Mm -hmm. And she has a beautiful, plush lawn. Right. But, you know, she's 72. That's her thing. That's what she likes to do. Yep. Uh, for me, I'm like, no. I I don't even want to mow. Yeah, I hear you. Do you mow? I haven't had to yet, thank goodness. Because uh, the the place I'm, the house I'm renting now, um, my landlord is actually one of my customers, which makes it really nice. But it's on about two acres. Oh, nice. That'd be a pain in the ass to mow. No, yeah. And mm -mm. Uh, so he's got equipment. He actually came over and mowed portions of it for me so that, we had area we could go out in and whatnot, but now, how, how is it up there? Do y'all have like a lot of trees? Uh, a lot of trees. Um, <coughs> that section of the Northeast from a little bit West of us up into New York state. Uh, that's actually the second largest grape growing area in the country next to Napa Valley. Really? So it is nothing but vineyards up there. If wow. it's not trees, any piece of open land has grapes on it for the most part so i had no idea they grew I, I figured it was too cold up there northeast has uh one of the biggest welch's plants in the country so they buy a crap ton of grapes from the local growers and then most of them usually grow some uh some wine varietals and that's there's a wine trail up there and okay. there's, I'm trying to remember the exact number. Are you a it's, wine it's drinker? It's over 50. 
I'm not a big wine drinker. I, I've noticed that I tend to go towards the sweet wines when I do, but I'm definitely more of a, a brown whiskey yeah. drinker for I, sure. I, I'm pretty much, right now at least, I'm just the bourbon guy. Like, I, I don't even care for scotch. It's, it's just I enjoy the caramel, the leather, a little bit of spice, a little bit of heat. Mm-hmm. And scotch is not that formula at all. Right. And so, and the funny thing is, I used to like scotch, but that was before I really dove into the bourbon. Right. And so, that's just me. And actually, I started on Irish whiskey before mm-hmm. I went to bourbon. And so, I'm pretty excited about where I am because I feel like my bourbon journey mirrors my cigar journey. You know what I mean? That's another, it, it's, they're very closely tied together because it is, it's a journey because again, bourbon, there are so many different flavor profiles, so many different mixes of the, the mash that they use and everything that there really aren't two bourbons out there that are the same. Oh, I agree. percent. And then also, I don't know about you, but I love bottle and bond and it almost, I've never had a ball and bond. I didn't like. And to me, it's because you take a bourbon, you put it in the barrel, and it sits in a warehouse for four years with nobody touching it. Mm-hmm. And it just, something about that profile is like, it's always good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and it could be a $18 bottle or it could be a $50 bottle. They're yep. all going to be good because they were made similar. Right. So... That's what I like. Hey, so let's jump into, uh, you went to the PCA this last yes. session. How was that? It and was it was cool. your first time. It was my first time, so it was really overwhelming at first, but then I got settled in and it, it, was, it was really good. But it is, it is a really neat experience um, that you get to meet people you wouldn't normally get to meet in the industry. Uh, you get to try stuff that isn't necessarily out there a whole lot yet you get a lot of the smaller boutique brands that are trying to make a name for themselves um and you get to to talk to them you get to try their stuff and but that's where you really learn from the manufacturing side what a family the cigar industry is too because on the customer side it is but on the manufacturing side it's also everybody's like family to each other, you yeah. know, um, it's a very small community, but, uh, you know, it was, it was really neat getting to meet some people. I got to meet Carlito. I got to meet, uh, Steve Saka, um, some other people. And for the most part, they're just really down to earth who guys. Was, who was the nicest guy you met? I'm gonna have to say Carlito just because Carlito is such a rock star in the cigar industry, but he doesn't act like he's a rock star. He's he, very he doesn't, humble. He doesn't he's have very... to. When you see him, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I, wow, there's Carlito, you know? and But he's not a dick. He's no. just a regular guy. Just a regular guy. So, you know, I, I would probably say him, but that doesn't mean that there weren't a, a lot of nice people out there that, you know, really, you know, like you said, down to earth just a regular guy type of thing, but they own a, a cigar brand. Um, but 
I think I, I would say him just because of his status in the industry, and yet he's still so down on your level too. and approachable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I haven't been to PCA. I've been to TPE this last year, which was my first time to a trade show, and that's how it was there. I mean, everybody was just so friendly, mm-hmm. and it's like whether you're smoking their cigars or not, nobody cares. They're just you know, how you doing? This is what we do. And they'll show you everything they do. Yep. And it was a great experience. And what I find interesting is the TPE, from what I've heard, is like a quarter of the size of the PCA. So you dove in the deep end. And honestly, since COVID, PCA has probably been a quarter of the size that it used to be. Um. They only took up one of the uh, the rooms. Oh, really? The, at the casino, um, they usually took up triple that amount. Wow, I did not know that. Um, but COVID really did a number on that too. That and a combination of uh, that and the past few years, you used to get specials. the The retailers used to get specials at the PCA where, if you want the special, you got to be at the show. Right. And then, and then COVID shifted. People that. started doing stuff where the reps started offering the, the the deals a couple weeks before the show, month before the show, and you cut down on your attendance because why am I going to spend the money to travel out there for the hotel and everything else? I can just get the deal here. And the overall trade show is massively expensive. Like oh. all the booths, holy crap! What it costs to put on these trade shows. Oh, and and in Vegas, a lot of that cost comes from the unions because the the unions that they got in the casinos, it costs extravagant amounts of money for them to put in a plug. Yeah, to put in a plug for you for your electricity, and they have to do it. Right, you can't do it yourself. Um, so these guys that have these elaborate booths, the, 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 uh, the union has to put all that stuff up or they have to at least bring it in. They have their fingers on it, which means they get their cut of the money. Now at the PCA, who had like the most extravagant booth? Fuente and Newman had, had nice ones, probably the fanciest one. And one of the larger ones was Rocky Patel. Really? Yeah. See, I thought you were going to say Drew Estate. Uh, Drew Estate had a decent, had a decent booth, but it was, from what I recall, Rocky, Rocky definitely had the biggest presence in the room. When you walked by, you knew when you were walking by the Rocky Patel booth, um, cause it was just massive. Um, it was like, it was probably the square footage of a small restaurant. Wow. Um, I mean, there were, and there's some booths that are literally like 10 by 10. It, m- most of the smaller guys have a 10 by 10. They set up a table, they set up their little displays in the back and whatnot. And that's it. Right. Um, you know, it's the big boys that put up the, basically it's a lounge, right? Like, uh, Newman always puts up that, uh, cardboard replica of the Newman factory down in Florida. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, oh, it's it's really neat. It's a scaled down version of the the factory down the original factory down in uh, Ybor City. 
Oh wow! And it's really neat, and it 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 kind of you know reflects that old world feel of what the cigar factories used to be like and whatnot. So it's it's a it's a really neat display that they I think they only started doing it a couple of years ago, but it's it's really nice. So um, at, at TPE, Drew Estate was by far the biggest attraction. They had probably man, it seemed like it was like a 60 by 40 plot. And it was two story and there was a smoke lounge upstairs. Oh, yeah. There was no... I don't think there were any two-story uh, booths at uh and, and the upstairs PCA. part had, like, an outdoor patio on both ends. It, it was crazy. I was like, holy crap. What does that cost? Oh, that's... Yeah, that's got to be just astronomical because you've got to have the guys actually put that all together so that it doesn't... You don't have any issues with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got safety concerns, you know. Oh, yeah. So they have to spend top-notch money to make sure everything's kosher. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I and you know what? I really, I really didn't find myself, like, enamored with people's booths. I was enamored by the guys that were there. Yes. It was like meeting the guys that I've talked to online but never in person, like, uh, what's his name? Riley with uh, Agonorsa Leaf, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Herculotz. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. Sokka. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody was there, and it was like being able to see those guys. I didn't care what the booth looked like. I just wanted to meet them. Exactly. Now, have you ever met Riley? I met him briefly at PCA this year. Didn't spend any time with him, but I He's was tall. Uh, yes, he is. <laughs> I was like, hey, what's up there? Yeah, no kidding. Like, what's the weather like up there? Because... It's got to be different than down here, you know? Hey, so circle back around uh, for Case Elegance. Look down the show notes, and there's a link. And use the code CIGARTALK or CIGARTALKCOIN, and you'll get a discount. And if you use the coin one, you get a uh, challenge coin that has the Cigar Talk logo on one side and their logo on the other. And if you need a humidor, I promise you, you will not go wrong. And the thing about it is they're not expensive. They have humidors from, I want to say, 70 bucks that go all the way up to, I think, like 300 bucks. But you can get a really nice humidor. And for your average guy, I, well, you know what? I recommend what someone told me once. He said, when I went to buy my first humidor, he was like, how many count are you going to get? And I was like, I don't know, probably like a 25 or 50. And he was like, whatever you think you need, double it. Because you're going to fill it up a lot faster than you think. And I took that advice and I used it. And I was so glad I did. Because if I would have had a 50 count, I wouldn't have had room for my cigars. Right. And the other thing is, you really don't want to pack your humidor just to the brim so that there's no airflow inside. Right. I make that mistake all the time. But don't do what I do. Do what I say. Right. It, it's a balance because you don't want to get too big of a humidor for what you're going to normally hold in it either because now whatever humidification system you're using, whether it's the beads or bovidas or whatever, those things are having to work overtime to keep the air in that thing humidified. So you're going to be taxing the humidification system Absolutely. And so I, I haven't told you this, and I don't think I've told anybody in my circles, 
but I'm actually working on a humidification system. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'll tell you more information about it when we're not on the show. Excellent. So looking forward to it. Yeah. So, cause I, you know, the thing is you, when you have been in the cigar smoking business, as long as we have, you realize what you don't like and what you do like. And I'm like, there's not a product out there that does exactly what I want. So, you know what? I'm going to make it. There you go. And it may just be for me or we might end up trying to sell them. I don't know. Nice. I just like to do shit, you know. There you go. Uh, and then let's talk about Tabanero cigars. You guys know I am a huge fan of the Sun Grown, especially in the Robusto. That's the one that speaks to me. I also love their Connecticut's. Uh, they have Maduros. They have all different Vitolas, shapes, sizes of everything. And I'm a huge fan. The one thing that I love about Tabanero is, like McAuliffe, they test draw every cigar. I've literally smoked around 14 boxes worth of Tabanero, and I've had one cigar that was a bad draw. And you got to give them a pass whenever it's one out of that many boxes. It's like, all right, well, the guy doing the test draw missed the cigar. Maybe he was hung over that day. Right. So give him a pass. Uh, but look down in the show notes and you can order Tabanero at the leaf or there'll be a show note link that'll take you straight to their website. And, uh, you will not regret it. I promise you that because our deal is you got to be good construction. We're not going to talk about anybody that doesn't consistently make good construction because you spend your money and you're excited about trying a new cigar and then you can't smoke it. That's not a fun experience. Right. I've been there. I've done that. And I'm like, ugh, hate that. So anyway, let's jump into our pick six of the week. You got three cigars that you smoked this week that you can. Oh, nothing like blindsiding me with that. That's hey, usually the hey, Brian. Hey, hey, you've heard the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll go first. Okay. So my first cigar, we smoked it last night. It's the Padron 1964 anniversary, and I love it in the Hermoso, which I want to say is a four and a quarter by 52 box press, and it was the Maduro. That is a lights-out cigar. Every time I smoke it, I just can't afford to smoke it often. I mean, and for a high-end cigar, it's not that bad. It's 18 bucks, so it's like basically paying for two cigars but one really good one. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely on my list. Uh, Then I'm going to jump over to the AJ Fernandez, Connecticut. Have you smoked it? Yes. Have you smoked it in the Churchill? No. Something about the Churchill just highlights that cigar. And, you know, a lot of people might not think that it, makes much difference in the size of the cigar but it's night and day depending on what you're smoking and that cigar needs to be smoked in the churchill creamy just buttery creamy and i had never tried it until probably three months ago and i was talking to frankie and he was like, have you tried it in the Churchill? And I was like, I've never smoked the Connecticut. And he was like, oh, you got to try it and try it in the Churchill. And I did, and I was blown away. Great cigar. 
And then my number three this week is the Jester from Viva La Vida Cigars. I mean, if you're going to go with uh, any of the Viva La Vidas, I mean, you can't go wrong. You're, you're getting a very close blend no matter what size you get. That's actually one of the few cigars that I'll smoke a 6x60 because it is box-pressed. Uh, it's not a go-to to me, but Bryant, you know, Bryant is like a whore. He <laughs> will do anything. Yeah. And so, but he does love the 6x60. I love the gesture. It's like a, it's, I always say it's like a Robusto on steroids. It's, it's, it's probably a 54 ring gauge by five. So it's like a Robusto, but big. Right. And I don't mind it because, you know, me, I prefer smaller ring gauges, but I don't mind it at all for some reason that out of all the Vitolas, that's the one I really like of that cigar. I also like the other one that I can never, the Diademus. Mm-hmm. Have you had that one? Yes. That's a great Vitola, too. Yeah. So, all right, man, what do you got? Did I give you enough time? I'm going to cheat a little bit. All right. Um, I'm going to take one of yours. All right. Because I also had the 1964 Hermoso Hermoso last night, and that is a spectacular cigar. I, I got to go with that one. And, you know, when I smoked mine, being the short cigar, mm-hmm. I still smoked it for an hour. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Something that Padron does better than anyone is their cigars burn so much slower. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you noticed that? Yes. Like, it doesn't matter what size it is, it's going to take longer than you think because it just burns slow. And I was asking Yonko from Tabanero how that's possible. And he said it has to do with the fermentation process and the amount of oils in the leaves. Yes. And so it just burns slower. Right. So what else you got? Uh, my number two is going to be the uh, the Rojas blend number eight oh, that I got at the Leaf. Oh, I, you know what? That should have been on my list, too. That's a cigar I just discovered this week, and I was blown away. First of all, I got to give Rojas some love mm-hmm. because that's not a brand that I smoke often, and I don't know why. Like, he makes some really good shit. Yeah. And I was in the humidor, and these cigars, they have no band. It looks like a house blend. Yes. And that's kind of what they are supposed to be. But they're so much better than most house blends, it's hard for me to say they're a house blend. You know what I mean? It's like, because I've seen house blends, like, I think, who makes a shit ton of them? Uh, Is it? Perdomo or Ashton or Rocky Patel, somebody, Mm -hmm. but they make like three or four dollar house blends. Yes. And I've smoked some of those and I don't like them at all. Right. But this, I'm like, see, that's not a house blend when you really love it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm looking and there's like these hexagon shaped displays and they're just stacked in there in the nude. And, you know, I love in the nude. Yes. So uh, I didn't know which one to get. I had no idea. But that particular cigar comes in a 6x46. So immediately I'm drawn to that. Mm -hmm. 
And then I saw it was a Habano. And I was like, I love Habanos. I love 6x46s. So I'm going to try it. And immediately I cut the cigar and the draw was just spot on. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to dig this. And I lit it up and it is a, I would say a, a light plus to a medium. Yes. And it was just creamy smooth. It was delicious. And I was like, wow, that's good cigar. I never knew about it. And here's what happens when I'm at the Leaf. I find a cigar like that. And usually I go flapping my gums, telling everybody about it. And then a week or two later, they're all gone. I didn't do that this time. Mm -hmm. I came home still thinking about that cigar. And then the next day, I went to the Leaf, I went straight to that cigar, and I bought them all. There you go. And it's like, I know Jay will get some more, so I didn't hog them from everybody. But I was like, I want to put those in my don't smoke humidor so that they can just rest for a while. Because I can't even imagine what that's going to be like in three months. Right. So I'm excited about that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump in on you. but No, go you're ahead. fine. No, and you, and you turned me on to that, and it was a great selection. That that thing was just spot on. It was it was great. The construction, the flavor, just everything about that cigar just it really pops. reopened my eyes to Rojas. Yes, um, I mean their street tacos are phenomenal. Have you um, had the Connecticut? Yes. Okay, I haven't had the Connecticut. I got one in my humidor resting. Yeah, I got I got both of them when I was out at the show, and both of them are fantastic. Um, so that was my number two, and then I'm cheating again on my number three because I'm going to give you one I guarantee you haven't smoked yet. Oh. The Double Broadleaf from Alec Bradley. That's a new release from them. It's not even going to be in shops until later this month, early next month. But when my rep was through, he gave me a sample of it. Double Broadleaf. Yes. Now, is it double wrapped? No, the uh, the double broadleaf is the wrapper and the binder are both. Oh, okay. Connecticut broadleaf. Um, well, Ecuadorian broadleaf, I think, because Connecticut broadleaf is so hard to get a hold of anymore. Um, but it is a great, smooth, medium-ish cigar. Um, it's really reminiscent of the Gatekeeper. Okay. Um, but. I would still put the gatekeeper over it, but it's it's darn close. I mean, I, I hold the gatekeeper in high esteem um, in, in terms of the Alec Bradley line. And uh, this one was darn close in terms of how much I enjoyed it. So be watching for those in your shop. And if you don't get them and your shop carries Alec Bradley, ask them why the hell they're not carrying the double broadleaf and have them bring so them in because they're. Great. I'm assuming that you guys ordered some. Yes. And so I'll say this. If. You are at a shop that doesn't carry Alec Bradley. We're going to put groups. Well, can you ship? We're really not in a position to do shipping right okay. now. Okay. So I was going to give you a plug here and say you could, but I, then I thought, oh, well, I don't know if they ship. So now we're trying to figure out a credit card processing solution that's not going to cost us an arm and a leg for all the more mail order we would potentially do gotcha because normally most of them want most of the cards want 500 to a thousand dollars a year for you to have the privilege of being able to take their cards without the card being physically present and scanned 
Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it's an insane Now, is that across the board, or is that for tobacco people? No, that's across the board. Okay. Well, I know there's a lot of credit cards also that don't want to do credit cards for tobacco products. Yes. But to my knowledge, from what I understand of it, and my knowledge of the credit side of things is not that great, because I I don't deal with that other than, you know, cashing people out. Right. I believe that is across the board. They, They want that much extra money for you to have the privilege of being able to do that. Well, I'm going to have to make sucks. sure Jay brings them in because I, I am a fan of some of Alec Bradley's cigars. Have you ever smoked the post embargo? Yes. It's been a while since I've posed, uh, since I've smoked one, but it's a good cigar. It is. It's a medium with just maybe a plus to it. And it's actually pretty complex for Alec Bradley. Yes. Especially one of their lighter cigars. Yes. Um, now, have you had their Connecticut? Yes. I've never had their Connecticut, and Larry raves about it. Is it good? It's a good Connecticut. I would not... Because I don't value Larry's opinion. <laughs> so that's why I haven't smoked it. He, If Larry turns me onto a cigar, I usually don't try it. It is a good Connecticut. If I'm in the mood for a Connecticut, it is one I will pick up and smoke. Okay. Um, it doesn't rank up there with... My favorite Connecticut, it's one of my favorite Connecticut's, but it's a good solid smoke. Okay. So good I, I have no complaints about it. Um, but yeah, we're having an Alec Bradley clip and light uh, in October, middle oh. of October. And I'm really hoping the rep has kind of ass- semi assured me that the double broadleaf will be out by the time we have the clip and light. So I'm hoping to make that the focus of the event, you know. New product. We just right. got them in. Here you go. Here's your chance to try them for the first time. Nice. So hopefully it comes off the way I want it to come off. But no, it is an excellent cigar. If you see them, definitely pick one up and try it. Because I, I, I'm i with you. I like some of Alec Bradley's stuff. Most of their stuff is fine. Um, but you can tell it's a little bit younger tobacco than some other manufacturers. Right. And that's okay. I mean, none of their stuff is and extravagantly the, expensive either. Right. So. They have a very friendly price point. Yes. And I'll say this. I've been on, like, Reddit in some cigar groups, mm-hmm. and there is a big portion of people that rag on Alec Bradley, and I don't understand why. I'm like, I don't see that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like... but. If you want to find the snobbiest cigar smokers in the world, get on Reddit. That's why I don't get on there anymore. Oh, if you want to find the snobbiest people in any area, go on Reddit. Because Ah, everybody on there knows everything. Right. And they don't have a problem with letting you know that they think they know everything. Well, I uh, was on Reddit maybe for like two months. And I was, you know, posting and but only posting pictures. I didn't really chat much. Right. And I never even told anyone on Reddit that I was from Cigar Talk because another guy that did another cigar show said that he was on. He did a show and they just ripped that dude to shreds every day, like not in a fun, joking way. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to mention that I do Cigar Talk. And shortly after that, I just quit going. Right. It was like, these guys are not fun. No, it's an unhealthy community. It really is. Um, And the thing about cigars, 
is it's you'll the never opposite. It's the opposite of what our community is about. Well, you'll never know everything. Right. Nobody that is worth anything in the cigar industry is going to tell you they know everything about cigars. Carlito will tell you, I don't know everything about cigars. You know, there's there's always something else to learn. Right. Um, so if you come off as I'm the authority and I know everything, I immediately know not to listen to a word you say. And you know what's funny is <clears throat> because I do cigar talk, I get asked a lot of questions at the lounge, and there's lots of times where I'm like, I don't know, but I'll try to find out. But I, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a cigar smoker. Yeah, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a cigar manufacturer. I'm not a grower. I know what I like to smoke. I know about the community, and so that's where I like to be. But I, you know, I'm no genius when it comes to cigars i just know i can tell people about the journey i've been on right i am blessed in so far as i have a boss who has been involved in the cigar industry for 30 years and in, in he's a roller he right he's a he's he does he's done his own cigars he's blended his own cigars he's familiar with the entire process from seed to to final product and you know, I have access to that encyclopedia of knowledge. If I don't know that something, I is, can get an answer pretty damn dude, quick. That is like a privilege. Yeah, it is. That's what made. That's what drew me to that shop. Like initially, I have guys in the industry that I reach out to three or four days a week, just asking questions, and they're gracious enough to answer my questions. But you are right there, and you don't have to call. You don't have to text. You're just like, hey, what do you think? Mm-hmm. That is just unbelievably lucky. Yes, it is. <clears throat> so let me, let me ask you this. You've been at the lounge for over a year. You've been the manager now for, say, eight months. Yeah. How was your first event that you did by yourself? First event I did by myself was nerve-wracking because I'd never done it. So up to the point that it happened, I was real nervous about how things were going to go off and everything. Um, luckily the first event I did was McAuliffe. Oh, very nice. And so you knew the product line. I knew the product line. Our rep was very, very good at his job and it just went off like a dream. Gotcha. Um, but that's very good because for me, anytime I do something for the first time, I replay it in my mind before it happens like a million times. And then when it actually is time to do it, nothing goes as planned mm -hmm. because I had never done it before. I think I know how it's going to go and it doesn't, it's totally not that way. And you just have to adjust on the fly. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times it is, you know, I had a, uh, I can't remember which manufacturer it was, but there was a screw up when we went to do the event and the factory or the, the warehouse didn't send our swag. Oh, and the rep just, took it in stride and he's like when when he showed up at the shop he's like so what did you think of the selection of swag you got and i was like i didn't get any i was assuming you were bringing it with you and he's like okay and he went and made a phone call and he comes back and he goes all right well they screwed up but he's like i've got some in the car i'll bring it in and we'll run the event with that but i will make sure you guys are compensated because that was BS. They should have taken care of that. And he did. We ended up getting more stuff later because he told them 
make it right, you know? Nice. Um, but, uh, so yeah, the first event went well. The second event I had with McAuliffe, Andy was actually there. Oh, well that makes it easy. And at the end of the night, he told me and he told the boss, he's like, Dave, you ran one of the best events I've ever been at. He said, you did a spot on job. He said, you know what you're doing. He said, if I didn't know that you took over as recently as you did, I would have thought you've been doing this for years. He said, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. And nice. this is a guy that's been in shops all over the country. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he and again, he thought enough about our shop that when he and Al were in the area, he's like, I want to bring now down to meet you guys and to, to experience your shop. That was a huge privilege to me. That was just like an oh. honor. Oh, dude. When Al came by the leaf one day, I mean, I didn't even know he was coming. Drives up, parks, comes in, gets some cigars from the humidor, and sits and visits with just all of us common folks yep. for hours. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, what a privilege. Hang out with that guy. Oh, he's fantastic. And our shop is a very small fish in a very big ocean. We are. There's just no doubt about it. Um, but when he went to leave that day, my boss said to him, you know, I hope we'll see you again. And Al just looked at him. He goes, you will absolutely see me again. And said, in fact, he said, let's set up. We'll do an event sometime and I'll come up and do an event with you guys. That's that's unheard of. You know, he did. He's not coming up there because we're a really big shop that makes them a buttload of money. So he wants to make an appearance. He cares about. Well. As they put it, it's a partnership. You know what I mean? He wants you guys to do well. Right, because if we do well, he does well. Right. That's that's the whole that's the whole goal. Um, that's the goal of the reps. You know, we have reps that don't like doing their job. They like phoning it in, you know? And, you know, our philosophy on it is any cigar that comes out of that humidor, I make money on. Your job is to make the cigar that comes out of that humidor, your cigar. Right. That makes you money. I make money no matter what comes out of there, you know? And McAuliffe's one of those that, yeah, they actually, it is a partnership with the brick and mortar. Now, how was, they how was, to, how was your consumers, like, getting to meet these guys? Oh, they love it. They love it. Um, Andy puts on a show. I'll tell you what, if you've never had him in your shop for an event. I've never been with Andy at an event, but I'm going to be with him one uh, next month in Atlanta. I'm going to be with Al and Andy mm -hmm. at an event in Atlanta, and I can't wait. Andy puts on a hell of a show. He works the room like nobody I've ever seen before. I Makes mean, it fun. He had everybody in the shop posting to the – he got everybody signed up as ambassadors. He got them into the group, and he was like, take pictures, post your shit in the group and we had literally everybody posting what they were smoking, talking about it. He does that side of things better than anybody I've ever seen. Wow. And he, he just very, they made a very good choice when they, when they brought him in. Oh, I agree hundred percent. You know, I had a meeting with uh, Andy last week and it was supposed to be like a 20 minute quick talk about the event coming up in October. And it ended up being an hour and a half. Because we just had a good time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Andy's just that personable. Yeah. Great guy. So, 
Well, hey, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show, and hope you enjoyed it. We appreciate Groot coming on and telling us what it's like to be the manager at a shop. I mean, it's not just sitting around smoking cigars, and it's like, at least it's not if you have a good store manager. Right. You know what I mean? Because there are some shops that maybe the manager's not cleaning the ashtrays, Mm -hmm. maybe not making sure the bathroom's clean, you know. All of those things tie into a good experience. Yes. And, I mean, I've been to some shops that could be awesome shops, but they don't do the small stuff. Right. And it makes it to where it's not a great shop. Exactly. So, anyway, well, hey, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. I'm so glad you came down to Abilene to visit, and I will see you tomorrow at the open house for McAuliffe Cigars. And for you guys... Look down in the show notes. I have a link for all of our sponsors. Our sponsors help take care of the finances of this show, and we would appreciate it if you show them some love. And then also, we want to say thank you to all of our Patreon members. Uh, these guys have been supporting the show. Some of them, I mean, wow, way back when. And so thank each and every one of you guys. We appreciate the support, the love, and it's just also another great community. Uh, you join the Discord server, hang out with us. Uh, we tell you what's going on, and then you get to uh, break balls on a regular basis. And you're probably going to see some stuff that you won't see anywhere else. I promise you that. It is It is a unique community to be a part of, and I like... I like uh kind of hyping it up more or less with the new guys that come in. I let them know it's going to be a wild ride. Strap in and hold on because it's, keep your arms and hands inside the ride. That's I use that a lot because it is, it's, it's a wild ride, but it's another one of those just really unique communities that everybody in there is just fantastic. It's active. It's, it's always people chatting in there about stuff. There's always people jumping in the video Oh, there's, rooms, there's, there's doing all kinds of posts herfs. in there. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really great community. If you're not a member of the Discord server, get your butt on there because it's it's fantastic. It really is. And we have a link in the show notes for the Discord, for the Patreon. If you want to do that, we would love to have you. And I guess, hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, stay smoky. Close enough. Boom. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Bum 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 bum